Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining me for what is going to be a fantastic podcast, I guarantee. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters all of which are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook format. And you could also listen to six of them, one through six, via Audible, Amazon, or iTunes. So dig on some of that jazz, daddy-o. <laughs> and if you have a hankering for a little bit more creep, tune in to my Exorcists series, beginning with the Exorcists Truth and Lies, Diabolica, and Full Moon. Those books are all on Amazon, and two of the three are in Audible. And now, without any further ado, here is my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you, brother? I'm good. How about you, Bill? Marvelous, marvelous. I'm uh, up here. I told you I had California closets in the house today installing some uh, uh, cabinetry. They did a gangbusters job. So kudos to you guys, California closets. Nice. Yeah, you know, it's nice when somebody comes over and gives you a good job once in a while, you know. That's very good. I'm uh, I'm hanging out here with my uh, Thanksgiving tryptophan hangover. <laughs> Too much turkey. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much pie, too. Well, I know some people that I think are turkeys. Maybe they should switch to ham. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to be any more of a turkey than they already are. Well, oh. <laughs> yeah, cool. so things are doing well. Things are doing well. Uh, we're almost into September, and we got Christmas coming up. December, not September. Did I say September? You did. Well, I was thinking about my birthday. You got to move ahead. We already yeah. did that. Well, I'm hoping the people out there are going to get me something for my birthday. <laughs> it's just around the corner, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Keep those cards and letters coming, and don't forget <laughs> to stuff them. <laughs> stuff them like a turkey. Awesome. Awesome. So what do you got today in a... Cryptids in the News, another oddities segment. Yeah, we're going to do two things today. Um, one thing just broke in the news this week, so we're going to cover that a little bit, um, but there's not much to cover on it other than to talk about it a little bit. And then we're going to look at the Mothman of Chicago, some of these 
serious Mothman sightings that have occurred in the last five years or so out in Chicago. Yeah, it seems to be a little bit of a resurgence of the oh, Mothman. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But we'll get there. But first, we're going to go out to the Utah desert. And, huh. Bill, did you see the story this week about these guys that work for the government that were out there doing a survey of bighorn sheep? And they came across this metal monolith in the uh, middle of nowhere? I did see a snapshot or the shot, I guess, that made its way around yeah. of the monolith. But I was working and I didn't have a chance to, like, read up on it. So let's uh, let's let's hear it. Yeah. So I guess these government guys are out there like you'd think they would do once in a while. And they're flying in a helicopter literally in the middle of nowhere. And they haven't. Uh, these guys work for um, um, the Utah Department of Public Safety and Division of Wildlife Resources. So they're out there kind of counting how many bighorn sheep there are in this uh, Utah Red Rock Desert. You know, it's a pretty spectacular place. Mm-hmm. And um, they're out there flying around and they see this stainless steel shiny object uh, glistening in the sun. And they go over to look at it in the helicopter and they're looking down towards the ground and they see this tall, vertical, three-sided obelisk that's like 12 feet tall, maybe two or three feet wide, stainless steel, like a triangle, you know, tall triangle, like a prism almost. Right. Um, And uh, sticking out of the ground, they are miles and miles from anything. You know, they're in a helicopter, so no roads or anything. Then they set the helicopter down, they go over and check it, and they're like, what the heck is this thing? And they, you know, there's pictures, I'll put them up on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, and there's a bunch of theories, now this only happened a few days ago, um, but there's a bunch of theories out there, you know, that range from, you know, UFO, you know, some type of alien thing placed there, to, you know, maybe a sculpture that was placed there, years ago by uh, one of these minimalist artists, like one of the more famous ones is this guy, John McCracken, but apparently he's been dead for a few years, Uh so he can't even claim whether he put it there or not, but he's known for hiding sculptures out in the middle of nowhere, waiting for someone to discover them. Oh, wow. You know, I would have to go with that guy. You know, I mean, one of the things uh, that would be a telltale, too, of its origins What's the foundation of the thing? Well, it's just like stuck into the ground. They, they've they've uh, discovered like it's not any concrete under the sand. Well, they didn't anything. dig it up or anything. You know, this just they just found it like three days ago. Yeah, I mean, look, if you find it uh, uh, buried in a, a a pool of Portland cement, <laughs> you know, that means somebody went out there in a jeep with a a, a mortar tub and some buckets of water and uh, some bags and. You know, the 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 obelisk in tow and, you know, it was a little project, you know. Yeah. But I mean, again, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But that's interesting that this guy McCracken uh, was known for uh, putting artworks here and there for people to stumble on at some point in time. Yeah. I don't know if he's known for hiding it in places like this, though. I mean, this is, again, really the middle of nowhere and the government now. They're not saying exactly where it is because it's so hard to get to. They don't want people getting hurt 
going out there to investigate it. Okay, so we just know it is. We just don't know where it is. Exactly. We know it's in the Painted Desert in Utah, but, you know, that's a huge area. Yeah, um, I mean, the Painted Desert, I mean, that is a huge area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somewhere in the Painted and Desert. And then, you know, you could imagine trying to see it if the sun wasn't shining on it the right way. You probably can't even see it. Now, the picture I saw, which was just one, and I looked at it briefly, it almost looked like the camera was shot like this thing was in a little cavern with an open top. It's Well, the, the picture I saw, it's up against, not touching, but, you know, maybe 20 feet away from a cliff wall. Oh, okay. And um, like a cliff wall behind it and a cliff wall kind of jutting out to the right side of it as well. Okay. And it's just standing there. And there's a couple of pictures of these... Uh, you know, these guys who were counting sheep standing next to it with their green, like, one-piece, you know, Forest Service uniform on. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's about twice as tall as they are and a little wider than they are as a person. I mean, if it, it's, let's just say they said stainless steel or just, like, shimmering because if stainless, it's aluminum. They said stainless steel, you know. And it looks like there's not a mark on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the point is, like, let's just say it's, let's say instead of stainless steel, it's polished aluminum with, like, a clear coat on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. To keep keep the luster, like a rim. Sure. I mean, that would be a heck of a lot easier for a guy to manhandle uh, if it was built around, uh, if it was like, let's say it was eighth inch or quarter inch welded sheet aluminum. Uh, it It wouldn't have a heck of a lot of weight to it that a guy couldn't handle it you know yeah uh now if it was stainless steel it'd probably be a horse of a different color you know yeah i mean i think you'd have to fly this thing in one way or the other <laughs> um, the thing looks like like the color of it looks like the brush stainless steel of like a stainless steel refrigerator okay you know that's what it looks like in the photos not that the object looks like a refrigerator the yeah. surface does yeah, I mean it's yeah. an odd thing, you know. But Super the only, wild. yeah, the only thing is people do weird things, you know. There are yeah. characters out there that play with the public occasionally, especially artists, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool, though. It is very cool, and the fact that if it is this artist and he's not around anymore, I think that makes it a little cooler, right? You know. Yeah. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Unless they yeah. dig it up. And it says, uh, you know, McCracken on the bottom, you know? Yeah. Peace and love, McCracken, baby. (laughs) Made you look. (laughs) Sucker. Yeah. Yeah. Very Uh, cool. It is cool. I mean, that stuff just keeps things uh, interesting, you know? I think so. I think so. Let's see. We'll stay tuned. And, of course, you listeners out there, if you know anything about this, obelisk maybe you manufactured it for somebody else <laughs> we want to know you know and we'll keep your name anonymous don't worry yeah if the guy's dead now you can tell us he gave you 5k to put it together <laughs> <laughs> Very oh cool. my good yeah that's cool that was that was neat that you brought that up because it was uh certainly an oddity no well i was driving in along in the car this week running out to the store or something to pick up some uh, dressing for the turkey or something. And uh, I heard this story. I was like, what the heck? And then I came home and looked it up, saw the pictures. I was like, all right, we got to talk about this. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely in the category of strangeness, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if, so, you know, let me just mention yeah. something, Kev, because uh, one listener wrote in with a short blurb one day that was really kind of nonsensical, uh, but I got his point. Now, for those of you who are new to the podcast, our podcast is formatted where we open up the show with uh, this segment called Cryptids and Other Oddities. So we can talk about anything just like what you're hearing today uh, from Kevin. I got the impression from this listener that he must have tuned in, heard us talking about uh, Spring Hills Jack or something. He didn't say, but yeah. he heard us talking about something other than Bigfoot and tuned us out. Oh, okay. So, you know, whatever. He used some language in there, Kev. That's why I didn't share it with you. It was just... To me, it was nonsense. Whatever you do, don't share any foul language to me, right? You know, yeah, I, haven't heard, you know. I haven't heard much of that stuff in my life. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I just, you know, relative to the podcast. No, I, just, I know, I know. The no, trash it's, it's gets on the No, I mean, skin. a lot of people like the variety, you know, that we're doing some different stuff Absolutely. mixed in. And we try yeah. to keep it interesting. And speaking of interesting, yeah. so we all know, or at least we did an episode on, the, the classic Mothman encounter from the 60s, uh, where Mothman was seen flying around by many different people in a very small town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And, you know, if you haven't been up to Point Pleasant, you should check it out. There's a super cool statue of the Mothman there. And uh, there's a Mothman museum that's uh, pretty fantastic and then in that was in the 60s and then he went away for a while and then in 1967 there was one of the worst if not the worst bridge collapses in the united states took place with the silver bridge in that same area there in west virginia i think the bridge connected west virginia to ohio if i'm not mistaken and it collapsed, and it killed 46 people. And it was right around this time of the year. So it was a real tragedy uh, with this bridge collapsing. And you might say, what does that have to do with Mothman? Well, it turns out, like, people that were there, several people that were there and involved in this, uh, uh, you know, horrible incident saw Mothman. Mm-hmm. So then it was believed that Mothman brought the tragedy of the Silver Bridge collapse or created the tragedy or triggered the tragedy of the Silver Bridge collapse. Mm-hmm. So now, spin the hands of time ahead, we hadn't seen Mothman. You know, we've seen other creatures like the Jersey Devil, other winged creatures. I've but, seen them. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, we saw, we see in Chicago around... 2011, several different sightings of a creature that looked like Mothman. And then in 2017, there were 55 documented sightings of this winged creature in the Chicago area, with a lot of them right around O'Hare International Airport. So one of the busiest airports in the world. Uh, You have pilots seeing this, a TSA agent seeing it and reporting the sighting, uh, security guards that are working like air cargo, truck drivers on the grounds of the airport seeing this, and you see photographs of the thing as well up on the web. So, you know, way, way more activity 
than even the activity that was seen in the 60s in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And in contrast to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is a tiny town, right? A beautiful, tiny little town in West Virginia. You're talking about O'Hare International Airport. Yeah, and you know, Kev, O'Hare had that UFO set down over there a number of years back that it's the same situation. There's people all over the place. Exactly. And this UFO was down on the ground. It was big, and it took off straight up and left a hole like a donut in the cloud cover as it went through it. Yep. Yep. Now you have the Mothman. There's like some weird goings on over there. Uh, exactly what it is is anybody's guess. But witnesses, come on. You want witnesses? Listen to what Kevin's talking about here. All kinds of people saw this thing they thought was a Mothman. Now, what do you think it was? Some guy flying around with a rocket pack on? Well, and they talk about it like maybe it was a drone, you know. But everybody dismisses it immediately that's seen it because they talk about it as being six to ten feet tall. Yeah. With a 10-foot-plus wingspan, they say it vaguely resembles a bat or an owl of sorts, but everyone says it's a, a humanoid, you know, so it stands on its feet when it's not flying, right? you know, and it's 6 to 10 feet tall, and it has these big, terrifying red eyes, which is the same thing Mothman in uh, West Virginia had. Yeah. Sounds just like a drone to me. <laughs> and then they say the creature is covered in fur, and uh, and then it has leather-like uh, wings, you know, so kind of huge bat-like wings. Yeah, yeah, super and, uh, creepy. And right? how about you can't you can't just go flying a drone around O'Hare Airport? No, you. I mean, you know, I know I was over in the UK probably a year ago, between a year and two years ago, where they were shutting down uh, Gatwick Airport and Heathrow Airport because people were flying little drones around the airport. And they shut down the whole place, which is as busy, you know, Heathrow's as busy as O'Hare. Yeah, well, you could kill somebody oh, or a whole plane. I'm not plane, saying you they know. shouldn't shut it down. Yeah, but, yeah, no, no, no. You know, you don't hear about O'Hare shutting down because of this Mothman, but yet people at the airport see Mothman and pilots see Mothman. Yeah. So if they yeah. thought it was a drone, they'd shut the place down. Oh, yeah, and tr- and go after whoever it was, hammering sure. tongs until they found them. Sure, yeah. Jeez. But it's super weird. So let me, let me tell you about a couple of these uh, accounts, right? Yeah. So this one woman, um, she had left work at the uh, U.S. Postal Service sorting facility at O'Hare Airport, right? So somebody sorting the mail at about 11 p.m. And this was, um, um, and she's walking out to her car when she saw something standing at the far end of the parking lot where she usually parks. And she says, at first, I thought it was a very tall person with a long coat. As I got closer to my car, I unlocked my car, which caused my headlights to come on. And my headlights hit the thing standing about 20 to 25 feet from the front of my car, causing it to turn and look right at me. And she says, I saw that this was not some person but some red-eyed and what appeared to be a coat were actually wings, which it spread out as it turned to look at me. Wow. I th- at, thought, at first, I thought it was some 
kind of very large bird. But I've never seen any bird that stood seven feet tall and looked like a person. Wow. Yeah. And she says, I'm five foot four, and this thing was at least two feet taller than me. And she 25, said it, 25 feet away, too. That's not far. Not far at all, right? If it's lit up in your headlights of your car. Absolutely. And then she says it started to make some type of half chirp, half click sound, uh, like someone would do with their tongue, only much, much faster. And then some type of screeching sound, and it took off running toward her. It got within 10 feet of me, and it took off into the air and flew above me. She said, I was screaming hysterically as I crouched down behind the car's open door and dove into my car head first. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. And, you know, when they found this, she didn't have an empty bottle of tequila on the seat. No, I mean, she just came out of work, right? So Yeah, I'm I'm just kidding you. Yeah. Uh, but can you imagine? I mean, man, woman, or child, whoever this type of incident would happen to, yeah. you would just be freaked out of your mind. Yep. Wow. Really wild, right? That is wild. And close range, illuminated by headlights. I mean, it's awfully hard to misidentify like that in a, a pair of headlights. Yeah. And running at her, clicking and screeching and chirping, and then <laughs> going airborne over her head in the car? Yep. yep. Holy smokes. Yep. Wow, what a bizarre yep. creature Crazy. this thing is. Yeah, another another guy, the guy writes in, he says, uh, I lived uh, near Chicago, um, and uh, and he said, I saw this creature one night, it was around the 4th of July. He was over his aunt and uncle's house for the 4th of July. The sky was lit up with fireworks, and they saw this thing flying over with huge wings back and forth below the fireworks, and they said it flew between the fireworks exploding like nothing was happening. Boy, that is freaking strange. Very strange. You know, and really... Anything, quote, normal, I mean, birds are not going to go flying in fireworks. No. Uh, They're going to fly away from the fireworks or hunker down in the tree until it's all over. Oh, yeah, you're definitely going to hide, right? Yeah. I mean, who the heck gets up and flies through exploding and flashing fireworks? Yeah. Ah, That doesn't make sense, you know? It doesn't make sense. Who are these people, too? Do we know anything about the people, or are they just, you know... Uh, uh, postings on Twitter or something. Well, I mean, there there's articles written about them. There's book, books written about the uh, the encounters and stuff uh-huh. like that. And like uh, some of these that I quoted were picked up by uh, uh, National Public Radio mm-hmm. in stories. You know, so yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's you know, and a lot of people have seen it, Bill. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like I said, you know, some of the accounts I read about where. Pilots had reported seeing it both when they're in the plane on the ground, you know, yeah. and it, a yeah. lot of these are seen in secure areas, too. Oh, uh, yeah. That's so it's the different than, part. you know, being out in the woods. You know, yeah. you're on the secure side of that big chain link fence with the barbed wire on the top, you know, if you're right. around an airport. 
and you see some kind of you know weird creature, whatever you know. Yeah, and that area, that weird area. person isn't supposed to be there. That's right, and all of those areas on any airport are wide open, no brush, no trees, no, no yeah. bushes, nothing. So you can see them, and pretty well lit, you know, generally yeah. speaking. These big airports, you know, for sure. Yeah. Oh, there's always plenty of light bleeding around, even if the area isn't, like, illuminated with lights on poles. Right. You're, you're not just going to sneak around there anywhere unseen. No, no. You know, it's either tarmac... Uh, blacktop or like grass, brown grass trimmed so low, you almost think it's not even there. Yeah, and you got guards everywhere. You yeah. know, whether they're guarding the airport or they're guarding the cargo, you know, or they're guarding the entrance to, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, an air traffic control tower or whatever it is, right? You yeah. know, there's so many different secure locations. Postal service, you know, like the woman who saw it. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and uh, you're not gonna. You'd really be a fool. And, and first of all, if it was a person, you'd have to be in some type of exorbitant costume. And uh, you're not gonna fly. Yeah, no, no, you're <laughs> so, not gonna really be flying. And that is, uh, and some of them are seen in the daytime. Some are seen at night, so you can get a good look at them. I'll put up some of the pictures and sketches and <clears throat> stuff like that that folks have either taken or made. Um, and then it comes down to the question, Bill, like, what could this thing be? You know, so if if it is a Mothman, uh, what exactly is this Mothman? You know, is it something, uh, is it an evolutionary beast that we just haven't identified yet? Is it something that's, like, coming from another dimension, you know, through some type of portal or something? Is it some type of uh, conjured up uh, evil thing? Uh, you know, what, what is it? You know, I have a confession. Uh Oh, I am Mothman. (laughs) (laughs) Some excellent clicking and whistling. (laughs) Not exactly terrifying though. I have to tell you. Yeah. No, you know, Kev, I always go back to, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch, the tube floating off the ground with the entity coming out of the tube and running away. Yeah. I mean, I just think dimensionally there's some strange stuff going on out there that we'll never have any answers for. Yeah. And this Mothman thing uh, is just another one of those entities that is just like there is no explanation for it. And as a human being... We just don't get it. So, therefore, the imagination and the minds of everybody goes wild with their own little fill-in-the-blank as to what this thing is. Yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like—this one doesn't seem like it could be someone hoaxing. I don't think so. Because of the secure environment, because it's flying— you know, it's taking off of the ground. It's not like, like one of the pictures looks a little bit like one, somebody with one of those uh, flight suits on, you know, that they jump out of the plane with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. Um, and, um, um, but again, you can't take off of the ground with one of those flight suits on. No. And you know something, Kev, uh, down where uh, Paula came from, uh Uh, That's my wife, folks. Uh, Central America, Mexico, uh, Southern America, uh, South America. 
They have a couple of things that uh, they have talked about for a long, long time. Uh, one of them they call the flying humanoid, mm. uh, and the other one they call bruja, which means witch. Yeah. And both of these things uh, have been seen flying around. Uh, there have been some photographs taken of them. Uh, and, you know, uh, I guess you have to be skeptical of what these photographs were taken of. They're certainly strange. Right. But uh, the tradition of the flying humanoids in the Bruja is kind of something like, you know, uh, what are we to think? We can't stand back here like some brazen people and say they're all stupid uh, and we have all the brains in the world, therefore they don't know what they're looking at because they're ignorant. Right. You know, there's a lot of people that take that stand. Like, oh, <laughs> did you hear what he said? Hmm. You know, and they say that about us. <laughs> <laughs> With the Bigfoot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember one night I was on a radio station interview and the host said to me, uh, made some kind of comment. And I said, you know something? Half of the listeners to the show right now think you and I are out of our minds. And he didn't say anything to me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it's true. You mean Uh, because you were talking about Bigfoot? The subject matter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, well, it, it's certainly not the greater percentage of Americans that think Bigfoot is legit. Right. Uh, it's probably whatever the percentage is. It's it's not overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, although they do say that the whoever they are, uh, they do say that uh, the majority of Americans now, whether that's 51 percent versus uh, 50 or whatever it is, uh, do believe in UFOs. Okay. So that's something that I believe has changed over the years. Uh, But when you start talking about Mothman, I think most people would say, what the heck is a Mothman? Well, I think most people don't know what it is, for sure. Exactly. I mean, the the original sightings in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, I mean, they were very limited. Yeah. You know, and again, in a very small town. You remember it was first seen flying over the graveyard while the guys were digging a grave. I mean, you know, it's... Classic uh, horror story stuff. Yeah, and didn't some people say they saw it sitting on the bridge? Yes. The, the night of the collapse? Yeah, the day of the collapse. I the think day it of the collapse. The daytime, yeah. That's freaking weird, yeah, man. Totally weird, yeah. Well, to be continued, right, bro? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, the Mothman strikes again. But and a then, lot of sightings, and again, much different than Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and that you're talking one of the busiest airports in the world. Lots of different people seeing it, and uh, and the sightings continue. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's not like a one, uh, like the original uh, Mothman in West Virginia, other than the bridge collapse, it happened, as I recall, over like a three-day period. Yeah. You know, like 25 people saw this creature. Yeah, and that monolith thing, uh, we got to stay on that and oh, see what absolutely. the outcome is of that, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, if there is an outcome. Yeah, no doubt about it. <clears throat> Well, I have something really uh, neat here today, and all I'm going to tell you folks is you listen to this, and then when I'm done, you make a decision as to what you think happened here, because my mind is made up 
Uh, and I think yours will be made up, too. But then you have the other half of the uh, section of the audience that says, well, I don't know. Now, this is basically an evidentiary story that was passed down from an uncle to his nephew. And from here on out, you're going to be hearing the nephew, Reggie Lacar's testimony. I was born and raised in the Vancouver area. In college, I had achieved a degree in electrical engineering and found myself working for a company in Spokane, Washington. How's that, Kev? Your old neck of the woods. Spokane. Yep. Now, while there, I made friends with a co-worker, Clifford Wells from Pennsylvania. He, too, was an engineer. During one of our many dinners together and after indulging in a brew or two, we overheard some characters at the bar shouting and laughing with each other about Bigfoot. At some point, I asked Cliffy what he thought about the beast. After Cliffy tried to make some lofty and skeptical comments, I reached into my wallet and pulled out a picture. It was the famous Patty picture, and I passed it to Cliff. He commented that he had seen it before, and he knew it was a still from a Cowboys film clip, which had supposedly been taken in the woods back in the 50s or 60s. I told him that my uncle had given this to me when I was young, and that it had come with a warning. The warning was to always carry more gun than you think you need when you go into the woods. By the way, listeners... This is where I came up with my tagline. And I carry the picture as a reminder of that warning. I began to share my uncle's story with Cliff, and he and his and th- that he and his logging crew were actually run off a job site by these things many years ago up in the Canadian woods. Cliff interrupted to ask me if my uncle was still alive and then asked if it was possible to visit him, stating that he would really like to talk to him about the experience and hear the story firsthand. During a little summer vacation around the 4th of July, he and I went to visit my uncle Frank. We found ourselves sitting in his modest home, chatting about what I had said to Cliff and the picture I had shown him. At some point, Uncle Frank made a -a once-in-a-lifetime offer. Hey, listen, fellas, if you'd like, we can go up to the old logging site where I can show you some really weird stuff. Who doesn't like to see weird stuff? We certainly wouldn't turn down an opportunity, so we took off in his truck the next day. It's actually quite funny because my uncle never invited me to see anything before. Having a friend with me must have been my golden ticket. We drove for about 90 minutes until we reached a break in the woods, where Uncle Frank turned off the road and onto a low mountainside. I thought the suspension was going to fall out from under us. Eventually, the trail was so rutted it became impassable, but thankfully we weren't too far from the final destination. So we got out and walked. 
Now, Uncle Frank was 76 years old, but he was still in good enough shape that he could challenge a bear to an arm wrestling match and probably win. The mile-long hike up the rest of the mountain was nothing for him. Eventually, we reached a flat-topped area that he called either a stage or a landing, though I really don't remember which it was. He told us that many jobs had involved clearing out hillsides where severe windstorms had downed a lot of trees. These locations were what they called in the trade windfall. First, they would create a flat work area above where the trees were that needed to be taken. From there, they would place a type of machine with a big boom on it, from which a thick cable would be run down to the base of the hillside by the crew. The cable would be secured to the top of a large tree at the bottom of the hill, creating somewhat of a cable tightrope from the bottom to the top of the work area. The men would work down the hill, trimming up the trees that were knocked down and cutting the trees which still remained standing. Once down, they would strap a cable around the trees in bunches with this cable being attached to a hoist or a trolley which was suspended from the overhead cable. The overhead trolley would then pull the trees back up the hill to the staging area. As we stood and looked the area over, the place was a mess. It looked like a large bomb had gone off, leveling everything. Though there was quite a bit of new growth that had crept up over the years, the evidence of the work that these men had performed was still there. After a moment, my uncle said, If you guys can navigate your way down over in that direction, you're going to come across some old oil and fuel drums. I want you to take a good look at them, and when you come back, we'll have a little talk about what you've seen. Go slow, watch your step, be sure you don't sprain an ankle or worse. When they cleared an area, they really didn't clear it at all. They took the money lumber and left everything else behind in a junk heap. Walking through that heap was like walking through and over a plate of spaghetti. Only the spaghetti was made of tree branches, brush, and debris. Finally, we reached the drums. They were old, rusty, and crushed. But they all seemed to be still sealed and relatively full, with the exception of a couple of instances where the welds on the drums had rusted out. Most of the other drums were still fully intact, but the tops and the bottoms of each and every drum were bulging outward, as though some sort of pressure from within had forced them out. But that wasn't the weirdest thing. Hold on for a second. I'm having a trouble with my page here. Each of the drums was cinched or squeezed in around the middle, forming them into enormous hourglass shapes. Upon closer inspection, there was no indication to our eyes of a chain or a rope having been wrapped around them and cinched tight to force them into this shape. There were no visible scratches or grooves in the metal. 
many of them still had a good amount of paint on them. These were industrial 50-gallon steel drums, and you could still smell diesel, gasoline, and oil in the area around them. If he hadn't told us where to go to look for them, I don't believe that anyone else could have found them. Many were wedged in piles of branches and debris and invisible to the eye. We climbed back up to the landing area, and what a freaking ordeal that was. Coming down was one thing, but getting back up quite another, and the crew had to deal with that mess every single day. These men must have been animals. When we reached the top, completed, completely winded from the climb, Uncle Frank laughed at us. The two of you guys are wimps, he said. So, tell me, what did you see down there? I want to hear all about it. We described the drums to him, just like we described them to you, and then he told us to take a seat. He said that he and his crew of seven men had come to this site in the usual way. They had everything set up to begin work and had begun to go about their business. The 50-gallon drums were kept on the staging area. They contained lubricant, grease, diesel, and gasoline. Everything that the machinery needed to operate. It was a large tract of timber, and they knew they would be there for quite a while to clear it all out. When they arrived back to the job site on the morning of the second day, they saw that there had been some damage done to the equipment overnight. Odd things were broken, smashed, or twisted, similar to the destruction that would be left by vandals. They could not even begin to work until many of the things were fixed and had to go back into town to get some tools and parts required for these repairs. It had only been one day, but they were already losing money. After the second day, on the third day, the same thing happened. They came back to the site in the morning only to find much of the equipment had been damaged again. In fact, some of the things they had just fixed were broken in the same way as the day before. The owner, who was also a co-worker, was furious. He was cursing wildly and accusing an industry rival of sabotaging the job site. If the other guy had been there, be he guilty or not, there would have been bloodshed for sure. Knowing that they might be dealing with vandals, the boss decided to put an armed guard at the site. He approached two characters from a local gin mill, offering them 50 bucks a night to stay at the site with their rifles until morning. This went on for about a week, and every night they built a big fire and sat there until the morning. After the guards had been posted, nothing happened. We worked with no interruption for that entire week. So the boss got tired of shelling out 50 bucks a day and told them they wouldn't be needed anymore. He figured whoever had been doing the damage would not waste their time coming back to the site anymore, knowing the guards were waiting there. The very next day, no fire had been made overnight. There were no armed guards watching the site. 
When we arrived in the morning, all of the supply drums were gone. In a rage, the boss left the site and returned with four more drums. And that night, he decided to stay there himself. This time, he wasn't going to light a fire. He was going to sit quietly in the cab of the crane with his shotgun. And whoever showed up was going to get a belly full of lead. Well, the next morning when the crew arrived... The boss was nowhere to be found. The door was open on the cab, and the door handle had been torn off. We searched for him for hours and hours, shouting his name throughout the woods, working our way up and down the hill, scouring every square inch as best as we could. The only thing that we found was his 12-gauge, which was about a hundred feet from the cab, and it was bent in half, like something from a Superman episode. Worried, one of the guys went back to town to get the police. The next two days were spent assisting in a massive search, but they never found his body, only his hat and the four drums that had been brought to the job site that day and where they were located. The search team found them in the same area as the five from the previous day's disappearance, right where they lie today, squeezed around the middle and thrown clear down the hill. Something had picked up these several hundred pound drums, crushed them around the middle, and hurled them 80 feet away. No human being or beings could have done such a thing. To this very day, the boss is still listed as a missing person. Something was not happy about a lumber crew invading their neighborhood. That is for damn sure. What do you think of that, Kev? Man, that's wild, huh? You could see why the uh, the owner is thinking that it's, you know, some kind of rival group, right? The logical thing would be some rival group vandalizing the camp. Yeah, you know, maybe right? he low-bid the guy in the job. Sure, yeah. You know, I'm sure, there's com- I'm sure there's competition. Now, this was in Spokane? No, 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 they were working in Spokane and were sitting in a pub or a restaurant. Oh, okay. Listening to a conversation when the guy, uh, Reggie, broke out the picture that his uncle gave him. Oh, okay. And his uncle had told, gave him the picture, and they were talking, and he told him, whenever you go in the woods, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. And that's where I pulled my tagline from for our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because to me, it was classic, you know. And uh, so they decided to go visit with Uncle Frank and hear firsthand, for his friend's sake, the story. And he wound up taking them to the site, uh, yeah. to the job site where this boss had been murdered, disappeared. Nobody knows. Yeah. He was never found. Sure sounds like he was murdered. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how about the drums cinched around uh, the middle? Yeah. I mean, that is just freaking nuts. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, look, I've, I've worked at places where you moved oil drums, and they had a special dolly uh, or hand truck. Yeah. The floor had to be perfectly flat and concrete. Uh, these drums, I mean, God help you if one of them tipped over on you. Oh, no, they're super heavy. I've done it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I can't even imagine. No. Uh, uh, you look at the them straw- around the middle. I mean, you can't even get your arms around them, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, you're talking. And it's then to wild. pick it up and chuck it? No. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> Superman. Yeah, well, you know, we talk about these Bigfoot having the ability to throw... Uh, uh, multiple hundred pound boulders. Yep. Uh, you know, this is like, uh, uh, you know, I told you, Kev, I think we were talking about it the last time on the podcast. If not, it was just me talking to you. I saw that video of a, a bull uh, tossing a Jeep Wagoneer around with its head, neck, yeah, and yeah, horns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the strength that animals have. Oh, yeah. Just off the charts. Yeah. And they're not working out at the gym. They just got it. <laughs> you know, they're just walking around eating grass. Well, and the, the next thing you know. It's like all muscle. You know, jeez. Oh, it is. It's just incredible. A lot of mass to it. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Bigfoot apparently has a lot of mass also. That's what all the descriptions say. Yeah. Just freaking ridiculous, yeah. you know. No doubt about it. So there you have it, That's man. a wild I mean, account. Yeah. Up there in the uh, woods of Canada, some loggers. Uh, again, here we have who does who who is experiencing the purported incident. Now, Frank, Uncle Frank, thought it was a Bigfoot. That's why he gave his nephew the picture. Yep. So his theory was a Bigfoot or uh, multiple Bigfoot took care of business with the job site, the damage, and the boss. Yeah, I mean, he might, you know, you know, he didn't talk about it, but he may have seen some up there, too, while he was working at other times, right? You don't know yeah. these guys, you know, but they're out there, man. They're out there. Yeah, pretty cool. And it's not the first time that a, a logger, uh, a trapper, a fisherman, a hunter uh, was scared off an area uh, by Bigfoot freaking them out, and they never went back. Yeah. So this seems to be a general thing that happens. No, I mean, it seems fair. Like, I've never seen one. Um, there's, like I've talked about before, there's parts of me that would really like to see one. But, you know, when you see some of the accounts of, like, you know, the law enforcement uh, folks and stuff like that that have seen one. And, uh, you know, like the famous one up in Whitehall, New York, where the trooper said, you know, here I am staring face to face with this beast that I had thought my whole life didn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, that's got to be terrifying and shocking. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you know my feelings about it. I mean, uh, I am in no way in any position to think that I could fight off this thing if the tables were turned on me. No. And so I'd rather not be there to tempt fate that maybe I'm not going to walk away free of charge uh, after this encounter. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. 
You know, holy cow. I mean, I don't even like dragging garbage pails out to the curb, <laughs> let alone, you know, grappling with a Bigfoot, which would probably last all of about 10 seconds. <laughs> there wouldn't be much grappling. Yeah, I don't think so either, Kev. That's the point. <laughs> you know, yeah. probably a couple of snaps and grabs and you're done. Exactly. Jeez. So exactly. that's it, man. That is, that's a, that's a, an incredible encounter. That is. And... Uh, I thought the uncle's advice was primo, uh, warning the kid that when you're in the woods, always carry more gun. Then you, know? you think you're going to need. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uncle Frankie. Yeah. Cool. Maybe he, was, maybe he was from Brooklyn. Hey, hey. Hey, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> So, Kev, what do we have? Anybody we talking got, to yeah, us? Yeah, we got some good listener mail from all over the place. So uh, the first letter comes in from Vincent in That's Los it. Angeles, L.A. Uh-huh. And Vincent writes, Hi, boys. I love the podcast. My friends think that I'm even crazier than I am. <laughs> when we were playing cards the other night, we were having a debate about cryptids. So, Bill, I need a ruling from you. Uh If Bigfoot and Dogman had a fight, who would win and why? And have you heard any accounts like this? Keep on keeping it real. Vinny. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds to me like Vinny was doing more than playing cards. Yeah, it might have been some uh, bourbon (laughs) floating around the table. Something something going on. I mean, really, in a, in a cartoonish kind of way or superhero way, uh, I think personally that Bigfoot would just mop up a, a dog man. Yeah, just the crazy strength and size that we hear about with Bigfoot, right? Yeah, yeah, just immense proportions. I'm sure there'd be some snapping and grappling and biting and this and that, but I think in a relatively brief amount of time, uh, the dog man would probably uh, be on a spigot <laughs> <laughs> at the Bigfoot campfire. Yeah, hey, there you have be- it. There you have it. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> help but when I was reading this, think about the old, uh, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong or something like that. Right, like that. Yeah, like that kind yeah. of thing, right? And maybe Mothman, see- <laughs> like Mothra. <laughs> yeah, I could I could visit Bigfoot playing a harmonica. And uh, singing, oh, bury me not <laughs> on the lone prairie, with the dog man swinging around on the spigot, you know? <laughs> awesome. Oh, my God, we're getting wacky. We are. It's all good. <laughs> all Thanks, right, our baby. next letter comes in, and it includes a little bit of an account as well from uh, Brendan in Minnesota. In Minnesota. Uh And he says, hello, Bill and Kevin. Love the show, and I'm quickly working my way through every episode. Here's a story from a good friend's brother-in-law. It would be in the southeast corner of Minnesota in the Mississippi River Valley area. And it goes like this. Kev, say that again. Repeat that one more time. He said the account happened in the southeast corner of Minnesota Uh in the Mississippi River Valley area. Ah, okay. Yeah. And it goes like this. I was going coyote hunting 
It was about this time of the year, late January in maybe 2009 or 2010. The weather was cold and clear with no wind. It was a couple of days past the full moon, so the moon was high and bright from midnight till dawn. My first set was going to be right behind the schoolhouse in Wiscoy. Whenever I call that spot, I always drive super slow once I got near Richard's driveway, then would stop well before the schoolhouse so the truck was still hidden behind the hill from anything on the west side of the road. I got there about 4 a.m. Oh, 4 o'clock. Sorry, he doesn't say a.m. or p.m. Mm-hmm. And with the temp about minus 20. Wow. Yeah. The snow very crunchy and sound really traveled. So I took a long time to sneak into position next to the round bales. Steve kept stacked there. After getting settled and arranging my calls and rifle, I was just kicking back for a few minutes to let things settle down before I started calling. I was sitting on the backside of the bales facing west toward the farm buildings back at the end of the long driveway. All of a sudden, something hauls off with the most spine-tingling howl you will ever hear. Mm. It started out as a loud growl and transitioned to an insane-sounding scream. It was louder than anything with lungs the size of a human could possibly make. And in the frigid air, it echoed up and down the valley. Wow. Every hair on my body stood straight out. Now, normally, when I begin calling, every farm dog all up and down the valley begins to bark, with a few coyotes joining in to howl back, and any nearby deer running for a bit. After this howl, nothing made a peep. Silence. Wow. Yeah. It sounded like it had come from up the valley on the right, just across the line fence. I was frozen in place. I wanted to run, but was too scared to make any noise. That and the fact that I had quit breathing. (laughs) Yeah. I was even afraid to move my eyes too much. Since I was wow. so spooked to run, I was too spooked to run. I took comfort in the fact that I had my AR and about 50 rounds of ammo with me. The moon was almost as bright as day, and I could see in front of me perfectly. The only blind spot was the field and woods that were blocked by the cemetery. But I figured I'd hear anything trying to come across the crunchy snow to get me. After sitting absolutely still and silent for a long time, I think I made a couple of half-hearted calls before uh, leaving the area. I don't know. Maybe I hoped it would answer. My nerves were shot, and I think I went straight home and back to bed. I spent a lot of time in the woods, including some pretty desolate wilderness areas in the mountains in both daylight and dark, and I ain't never heard nothing like that. About a year ago, Mom was watching some show about searching for Bigfoot and yelled at me to come and watch. They played a recording. I don't know if it was actual or simulated, but when they played it, the hair on my neck stood up Mm -hmm. again, and I yelled, that's it. I always think I should have gone back out and asked the people living there if they heard it. Even Mm -hmm. in winter with the windows closed, it would have to have woken you up. Man, no doubt about it. Yeah. 
awesome stuff. Yeah, and there you go with that intense reverberating howl uh, that people talk about again and again that just kind of goes right through you. Yeah. You know, what do we hear? Train whistles, Oh, yeah, sounds horns. like a diesel locomotive yeah, horn, just, right? The air horn. Fire, fire uh, house sirens. Yeah. I mean, people are just grappling for the loudest thing they've ever heard. No, and we put up on our website, BigfootTerrorWoods.com, one of the recordings, at least one of the recordings. Oh, uh, that one. That yeah, was, that, was, that sounded like a locomotive, you know, a diesel locomotive. And uh, they stayed there. It was that man and children, oh, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is Echoing some bad. Echoing through the mountains, you know, and again, no... No coyote or wolf or bear, you know, something else entirely. No doubt about it. And just, like, massive. Yeah, wild stuff. Well, well, that's it, Bill, for this week. we got some good letters. And, again, folks out there, if if you know anything about this obelisk, this metallic obelisk that they found this week out of Utah, write in. Let us know what you know or what your theory is, especially... Maybe you know this artist that I talked about, too, John McCracken, and uh, some of the stuff he's done before. We'd love to hear from you. And speaking of hearing from you, you've been doing a great job giving us those five-star reviews, and please keep those five-star reviews coming. And as a matter of fact, right now, go to your favorite player and give us a five-star review, because it's really important. Really, the only way we bring new listeners to the podcast is through these five-star reviews. And by getting more listeners to the podcast, we're able to continuously improve the quality of the podcast. So thank you so much. Excellent, excellent. And also, uh, just to further my brothers asking you to chime in with us, if there's anybody out there that works at O'Hare or around that area who heard any hubbub or scuttlebutt on the street or at the airport about that Mothman, definitely give us a shout. We yeah, want to hear Especially if you've seen it, too. Yeah. You know? And yeah, we'll no keep doubt. it anonymous. We understand, you know, we're, we're not going to release your name or anything like that. Yeah. Nobody's name uh, you hear on this show is legit. Yeah. So, in fact, my name's not even legit. <laughs> I'll tell you. Hey, wait my, a minute. My name is actually Fred Flintstone. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes Barney Rubble. (laughs) And remember, folks, take Uncle Frank's advice to his nephew, Reggie. If you find yourself up in the woods in Columbia, British Columbia, that is, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.